Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. And today I have the pleasure of having Donna Nicholson-Steef, the Director of Stewardship at LCBC Church in Mannheim, Pennsylvania, joining me for today's podcast. Hi, Donna. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Leo. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Well, as I thought about this topic, should your church offer a 90-day type challenge? You certainly came to mind. A couple other people as well, but I know that you guys at LCBC have done this for quite a while. Uh, we had your pastor on not too long ago talking about this very thing. And one of the things that he had done, which is to introduce a 90-day tie challenge a while back. So I just want to talk about this a little deeper because tithing can be a very kind of a divisive topic, even in the church, unfortunately. Sometimes uh, it can be something that people get very polarized about. And so uh, I want us to talk about it from different perspectives, but more specifically, really touch on, should you do it? Why should you do it? Uh, what tithing is, what it isn't, and really dig into it a little deeper so that we can hopefully help our audience to think through it and maybe come to uh, a decision on their own whether this is something that their church leader should, should be doing. So let's start with the question, first and foremost, why do we teach tithing to begin with? Let's start there. Right. So with tithing, it, it really is about putting God first in every single area of your life, especially with your money. Mm -hmm. um, money uh, really can be a false God. And, um, you know, the very first commandment of the 10 commandments is thou shall have no other gods before me. Right. And money or mammon is a evil influence. It's, it's a false God. Um, and so what we really want to do is with teaching the tithe is to the outcome, I should say, that we want is for people's faith and trust and worship and reverence to be in the Lord alone. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, if we're not teaching uh, about how to put God first in the area of your money, oftentimes we're, um, we're forfeiting the opportunity we have um, to really help shepherd people and to help them grow deeper roots in, in their faith. So that's the outcome that we're hoping for is that their faith and their trust in the Lord would grow deeper as they trust God in the area uh, of their money. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I think it's it's really very simple. Uh, the church's role, especially the leadership role, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, right? It's to help people mature. And of course, the premier thing about that is that we trust in God, right? It starts from that foundation of we build everything upon Christ and what he has uh, taught us and what the word of God teaches us. So it's a simple idea that tithing is just something we teach simply because we want people to trust God and not trust something else. And we, as you said, money could be a false God in many ways. It, it could provide for things that that we think are uh, is all that we need, right? We, we can use money to get everything we need in life, but we know that that doesn't fully satisfy us. It might fill our bellies. It might provide a roof over our, our head, 
but who we are, how we're created. We are eternal beings created by God, and we are drawn to worship something. Man is drawn to worship. We're created to worship. So we'll either worship the things of this world or we'll worship the creator who created all things. And our heart kind of draw is drawn to worship. And money is just such a lure uh, to, to engage in false worship because it becomes something or we can make it something uh, that it was never meant to be. Uh, God never created, uh, he didn't create nature and, and all that we have in the world in order to replace himself, right? He created the garden, put Adam and Eve in there, but he didn't just leave them there. He went and communed with them. We spend time with them every day. And I think we sometimes don't realize the importance of that very concept of it's communion with God that matters. And money can get in the way of that if we don't have a healthy relationship with it. So that's the main reason why we teach on tithing. So let's talk about what tithing is and what it isn't, because this is probably where the most contention becomes uh, as part of the conversation in and outside the churches. What is tithing, what it isn't? And, and I understand the arguments. We all kind of understand it if we've been teaching on this for a while. Uh, but let's break it down a little bit. What What is tithing? What isn't tithing? Yeah, I think it's really important that we're clear on what it is and what it isn't. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but by definition, the tithe is our first 10%, and that first 10% of our income or earnings belongs to the Lord's. He says, This is mine, and I've set it apart for me. What's interesting is is, you know, God owns everything. So he owns, he owns hundred percent of what we have. Right. Uh, but he says, I'm going to give you this hundred percent, but I want you to bring back to me the first 10% of what I just gave you. Mm -hmm. it, he could have automatically withdrawn right. his own first 10% and we would be none the wiser. Um, but it's interesting because he, he wants us to step out in faith um and to trust in him and that's that's what's key about the tithe because the tithe is not 10 percent of our income it's the first 10 percent of our income and mm. the first is the only part of our income that actually requires faith mm. uh last and left over does not require faith um second third fourth position does not require faith but first position requires faith and that's what god really wants he doesn't need right he's god he doesn't need our 10 percent for crying out loud um but we we need we have a need and our need is is to put our faith and trust in god and so that is what the tithe is um the tithe is is never ever about funding the church or funding any mission. Mm. I think okay. that is where some folks might get tripped up. It is not about funding the church. Um, the tithe doesn't belong to the church. The church is just the designated repository that God chose for us to put it. Mm. But the tithe belongs to God. So the relationship uh, with the person tithing it's not between the person tithing and their church it's always between them and god and that's yeah. that's what makes the tithe a spiritual act first and a financial act second because mm. the tithe is not an act of giving 
And it's not an act of generosity. It's in a completely separate, sacred category. Mm -hmm. um, you can't give God what already belongs to God. And it, it isn't an act of generosity. If I lent you my car and you returned my car to me when you were done using it, um, you didn't give me a car. No, I'm the owner. You, you brought it back. Mm -hmm. um, and by returning my car, that was not an act of generosity either. It was my car. And, and so the tithe belongs to God. It's his. And so it's not giving. It's not generous. It is a sacred act. It's a spiritual act that requires our faith. And I just think it's important that we, we make sure to teach it that way. And from the, the concept of the church and bringing it to the church, I think uh, I, I've heard this so many times from our, our campus pastors and um, even, even myself in interacting with people that are, are um, trying to tithe or starting to step out in faith and tithing. Um, I call it the two from dilemma. Mm. Um, they think it's coming from their bank account to the church's bank account. So that's something we want to make, make sure that they understand that is not what's happening. They also think the relationship might be with them and their church. The relationship is not with them and their church. When it comes to the tithe, it is solely between you and God. So the way I kind of will explain it is the tithe belongs to the Lord. It's a spiritual act of spiritual decision that you you're making and it's between you and God and you you and God alone um so we bring our tithe back to God through the church not to the church through the church we're just the church is just the vehicle yeah. um so I think it's that's important some people might I know this some people think man you know my tithe is just a drop in the bucket to that church they're not even no one's even going to notice if I tithe or not, because it's not even pinging anybody's radar, but man, my wallet feels it. Mm -hmm. My family feels the pinch. And that's how I know they've got the two from dilemma. They're mm -hmm. thinking it's, a, it's from their bank account to the church's bank account. And that's just not what it is. So we want to make sure they understand the relationship is between them and God. Yeah, I think you hit on something really important here that I want to dig a little deeper into, Donna, which is it's the spiritual act. So many times we take the tithe and just focus on the either the mechanics of it or or whether the church is worthy of it, whether the church is managing it well, whether the you know, there's so many things that we we could look at from that financial transaction and have either concerns or or we might do it differently if, let's say, we were the the, the staff uh, that that's managing the money, whether it's building a building, maintaining the building, building another campus. There's so many reasons why people say, "Well, um, I'm not sure I want to tie to that church," or "I don't," you know, like you said, the church doesn't really need it. It seems like it's doing fine, uh, and my little bit is just not going to make a big big dent in what they're trying to accomplish. But at the end of the day, it's not the practical transaction that matters here. And if we focus on it as a transaction that's just a natural practical transaction, then we miss the whole point of it. That the real point of it is that it's a spiritual transaction between us and God. And right. it's a, it's it's simply a an act of obedience. And you and I talked about this earlier that just like 
The first commandment is to serve the God, God alone and not make any images uh, that are that are you know of this earth or of whatever, that it's him alone. In the same way, I think every area of our life has this first principle that applies to us, especially us as, as believers, right? We we have to understand that when God, when we accept Christ as Lord, we're really saying God is the head of my home, is the head of my life. And so that means in every area of life, I'm going to give him my first and best. Yeah. For instance, if if uh, spending time with God, which is important as a believer, right? If you're going to have a relationship with God, you have to spend time with him. So if you leave your uh, time spending in his word, understanding him, because that's what the word of God does, is helps, helps us to understand who God is and how he deals with us, right? He also, of course, provides a lot of wisdom for our life through his word. So it's him speaking to us. But if I don't take time to spend time in his word, if I just do it kind of like when I have time or whenever, you know, it's one of the last things I do at the end of my day, uh, if I have time and some days I'm tired. So I may like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. If I do that consistently, then I can't really stand before God and say, this is important to me, right? right. That he's important to me, that his word is important to me, that my time with him is important to me. It's only so if I, by practice, do that. If I get up, the first thing in the morning that I do is have time with God and just talk with him and read his word and spend time in, in prayer or studying the word of God, then, then that means I'm making a priority. I'm putting it first. And that's going to have certain type of, it's going to yield certain fruit out of my life. And finances is no different, right? So if my time, the way I spend my time, the way I spend my resources, the way I spend uh, my talents and my abilities, if all of those things are not acknowledged as coming from God, and they are worship to God, then as a believer, how am I different than anybody else in the world that doesn't honor or have a relationship with God? Right. Right. The way I manage my money, if it's no different than a non-believer, someone who doesn't understand the word of God, has never opened the Bible, does not have that knowledge, or has not made that decision, then you know, that person and myself would be just as just the same from a financial standpoint. The way I manage my money, what I spend my money on, all of that would be the same. And I think that's something that really concerns me because uh, you and I have done a lot of counseling uh, and coaching uh, people in the area of finances. And, and we know the statistics out there that believers are just, the way they manage money is very similar to unbelievers in the area of their giving and the area of their spending, borrowing, all of that. And I think that's a concern because this is one area that really puts us on a different path. When I choose to tithe and I acknowledge God as my 100% source, and I choose to take that first portion, which he said is not mine, it's his, but as an act of faith, I do that. I acknowledge that, yes, it belongs to him. Then everything else that I do can follow that same path. But when I don't do that, what is the chance that I'm going to listen to anything else God says about managing money, whether I should borrow or not, whether I should live beyond my means or not? Um, yeah, it's it's the door that opens us to the wisdom of God as we manage the rest of the 90%. And I think it's just one of those things that if we don't do it, it leaves us vulnerable uh, to everything else that that uh, that money can lure us away into doing. It, it definitely leaves us vulnerable in any area of our life where we have decided God is not first. Mm. So one of my favorite examples is right there in Genesis, Cain and Abel, mm. um, you know, and, and this is what I love about um, bringing 
back to God an offering because the tithe wasn't a command at this point. Uh, and, and yet they were bringing back to God what belongs to God. It was supposed to be their first and their very best. And so Abel brought his first and his best, and God was pleased with Abel, and he was pleased with his offering. Um, Cain brought what was last and left over, and mm -hmm. God re God rejected it um, and rejected Cain, um, but told him to do what is right. But I, I love the warning God gave Cain, because God could have said, Cain, um, next harvest, put me first, bring back to me what I deserve, and we'll be good. Or he could have said, Cain, uh, you know, I'm not in the habit of blessing what's last and left over. So get it together and mm -hmm. um, try again. And, and, if, and if he said any one of those things, God, God would have been accurate in that statement. But what God said to Cain is probably the most profound and loving thing he could have said to Cain. Mm -hmm. Just as a parent would warn their child if they're going down the wrong path. God said, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and become its master. Mm. That's what God said to Cain when Cain brought him what was last and left over. Yeah. That was the warning. And what God was really saying is, hey, Cain, when I'm not first in your heart, when you're not stepping out in faith, trust, worship, honor and reverence of me who provided you with what you have, you have opened up the door to be mastered by sin. Hmm. And I don't want that for you. I yeah. don't want that for you. And so uh, it's just such, such a perfect demonstration of God's heart. You might read that passage and think, oh, you know, God got this, you know, um, cheesy gift from Cain and he just felt like that gift isn't good enough for me. No, that that's not what God's heart was. God's heart was Cain, you're revealing what's in your heart and I want better for you. And that and that uh story of Cain and Abel applies to us today. Any area of our life where God is not first, the door is cracked open for our enemy to mm -hmm. mess with us, to deceive us. And God knows it, our enemy knows it, and God wants us to know it too. And so God's motive for us to put him first um, is really, it's not even for his benefit, it's for our benefit. Right. It's for our yeah. Benefit. It, yeah, it keeps us on the right path because God sees the danger. And as you said so well, that it's it's a loving parent's advice to a child that doesn't know any better, that they're opening the door to yeah. potential consequences that are coming that no parent would want to see their child suffer. I have a couple of children, my own and grandchildren. And I, as I think about them and I think about what I want for them, uh, sometimes I, you know, my mind, especially as a grandparent, I go to like, I hope nothing happens to them. Right. We, we have this, you know, concern because they're not, we don't have the control. They're some of our, our grandkids are in another state far away. So we need God's protection over them. So we pray, but as a grandparent and as a parent, I think I want to do anything I can to help my kids. So whether it's giving them advice, whether it's helping them in some tangible way, and God is doing the same thing. He's saying this area of not putting me first 
Now it's in the purpose of the tithe, but unfortunately in our society, we just so attach that to money. But that's also an unhealthy thing. If we really recognize the reason we're so opposed sometimes to tithing is because it touches on an area that we value highly. And that in itself should be a concern. Like we value money to the degree that we would rather disobey God and have our way, which again reveals the heart of Cain, right? Cain wanted to do what he wanted to do. And God was saying, don't lose sight of who I am and who you are. I created you. I'm your loving parent. I know what's best for you. And when you begin to act selfishly and for your interest, because of sin in our lives, it creates all kinds of consequences and damage in our lives. Obviously, I haven't been around for thousands of years, but as you look at history, you recognize how much of the evil in the world has come around people pursuing money and, and and the power that it gives them. And God has known this all along, obviously. So he's saying to us, do this thing, do this thing, give the first portion back to me as a way of keeping your heart and your mind and your practices in a way that aligns with what's right and good and not letting them become selfish and self-driven because that's going to drive you away and it's going to, you know, it's going to open the door to all kinds of things in your life. So that's so well put. Thank you for sharing that, Donna, because it is, it is really something between us and God. And we can so easily make it about us and some other entity, whether it's a church or other people who are are speaking this to us. And we we tend to kind of argue that simply because we want what we want. We have to acknowledge the fact that we are selfish human beings. And with sin being as part of our nature, we have to resist it. It comes easily to us, right? Sin is easy. It's opposing sin that's hard. But this is an area where it opens us up to potential harm because we begin to worship the wrong things, Right. right? Well, I do hope that you're enjoying this conversation and we're going to come right back to it. But I want to take just a minute to introduce you to one of our ministry partners. CSN's ministry would not be possible without the help of our partners. And frankly, we wouldn't want to do it without them. What they offer to churches and church leaders through services, content, and resources that they have is invaluable to building a healthy stewardship ministry and helping their people to become good stewards and generous givers. This episode of the Stewardship Leader Podcast is sponsored by Online Giving. At Online Giving, our main focus is to serve and be a ministry partner to churches. Online Giving's giving and engagement platform is a set of cutting-edge ministry tools exclusively designed for evangelical Christian churches. With online giving, churches have over 13 ways for their congregation to give with advanced donation insights and intuitive metrics. Online giving also offers custom mobile apps for churches that are beautiful and engaging with advanced CHMS integration, as well as text marketing to enhance church communication. Join other leading churches who have discovered what Online Giving's platform can do to their ministry. Visit onlinegiving.org to learn more. And you know, on the flip side of that, this kind of points to where God is always after your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of out of his um, fierce love for us. He's always after our heart. If you look at the rich young ruler um, in in contrast to um, you know to Cain or even even in contrast to Zacchaeus, the rich young ruler was tithing. Mm-hmm. And yet his heart was tethered to his money 
-hmm. And everything his money and possessions offered him status, prestige, security, comfort, you know, whatever it offered him. um, That was the, the false, you know, little G God that he was really worshiping in his heart. And so he was doing the thing, you know, he was doing the, what we would perceive on the outside is the right thing. Like, oh, he's tithing. Uh, But Jesus knew his heart and Jesus is after our heart. And so, you know, just like Cain bringing what was last and left over and the rich young ruler bringing back the tithe to the Lord, they both had the same heart problem. And so the motive uh, with tithing really, really matters. I mean, that that is what matters is our motive for tithing. And so we want to we want to make sure that we're we're teaching that well um, when we're talking about the tithe, that this isn't a give to get. This isn't, oh, you start tithing and and uh, um, it's going to work, mm-hmm. work in quotes, you know, meaning nothing, nothing bad financially is going to happen because you started tithing like, no, that's false. God right. wants us to trust him when those things happen, wants us to trust him through it, not mm-hmm. give up. Because uh, when you think about it, if the way it worked is once you start tithing, your finances are completely protected. Well, atheists would tithe. Everybody yeah. would tithe. If that was the case, that'd be a great business model. Tithe and your finances are protected. No You're investment, right? Yeah. So God, God really wants our heart. He wants us to step out in faith and that our faith is anchored in him alone because money's fleeting. It comes and it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, look, look at people that have lost uh, millions and millions of dollars. Um you know, even with uh, the economies uh, crashing and uh, um, things, you know, that have plummeted people's retirement, you know, money comes and goes. Yeah. If, if our if our faith and trust is in our money, we're gonna we're gonna plummet with it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not something that uh, is guaranteed, and and we cannot we cannot allow it to become the source, the thing that we worship, and that's really what God is saying is. I know your your heart is prone to worship stuff and false gods, but this is a way that I can continue to keep your heart on me, right? right. And, and really, from me, from me and my wife, we've been tithing since literally since almost since we've been married. Uh, we started just a couple of years after we uh, got married, and we never had a problem with tithing. It was never something that we struggled with. But when we really understood what tithing was it became so much more than just obedience. It's important that you're obedient. I mean, God wants you to be obedient, but God doesn't want blind obedience, right? If you're tithing for the wrong reason, God doesn't look at that as with favor. He looks at that with displeasure, I would say, right? It's like, you know, if your kid's doing the right thing or if he's doing it just to appease you, but really in their heart, they, they're going to do something different as, as soon as you turn your back. So it is about worship. It is about are we putting God first? And God cares about that because he understands the consequences. So let's talk about, obviously, you guys do the 90-day tide challenge. Talk about why you believe churches should do this. What's the reason 90-day tide challenge uh, would be beneficial? And who is it really for? I think that's also important. Yeah, so um, I can speak for our church. So in our church, it's made up of all different walks of life. We have people that are just checking this Jesus thing out. Mm-hmm. They don't even know yet if they um, are even bought into this Jesus thing. 
even that are have might even de have declared their atheism you know might show up to church with a family member one day you know and then you have on the other side of the the pendulum you have people that are um, very mature christians that have been in the church for a very long time and so the 90 day tithe challenge is really for that person who is new to faith or maybe they're not new to faith but they're new to learning about putting God first in your finances. It could be that they've come from a background um, that guilted them into giving. Maybe they came from a prosperity full, uh, background, which is a false gospel. Um, it, it's a very wide range. And so the 90-day tithe challenge is for that person who has some barriers in their life, some barriers that have been put up and probably even very legitimate barriers yeah. that have been put up um, from experience that have prevented them from really understanding what God actually is after, um, yeah. after your money. He doesn't want your money to be after you. He doesn't want your money to have you. He wants to be the one that you put your trust in. And so the 90 day tithe challenge really removes those barriers. So it's not it's not really for the mature Christian that knows about it, uh, understands it, and is is already already doing it. So here's one thing that's interesting that happens whenever we do a 90 day tithe challenge. Um, I get the the reports, and um, I'll see the number of of people that signed up for the challenge, which is great. But consequently, one of the other things that that happens, another outcome is. Uh, first-time givers goes up just as high, sometimes even higher. These are people that did not sign up for the tithe. They just knew, yeah, I, I know I, I know I should be tithing. I, I already know this. God's been speaking to my heart. I'm going to step step into faith and obedience and and start giving. And so both of those metrics um, go up. But, but what I love about that is you know, our job is to teach God's word with love and grace and conviction, to teach God's word from a position of uh, experience, meaning we are modeling in our own life what we're preaching mm -hmm. um, and experiencing the joy that comes with fully following the Lord. And then God owns the outcome. God owns the outcome. We deliver his teaching we offer the next best step for that person, whatever their next best step may be in following Jesus, but it's God who owns the outcome in their heart. And, um, you know, we just pray that the Holy Spirit moves in that person's life and that they have their eyes open to see God moving in their life when they step forward in any area of obedience, um, but especially the tithe, because I, I think Satan, our enemy really attacks that area too. Um, yeah. So just praying over that person. But yeah, so the, the tithe, 90 day tithe challenge just removes the barriers for the skeptic or for uh, the new Christian. Now you, when you say 90 day tithe challenge, there's also some language around that that says, okay, we're, we're going to ask you to take this step for the next 90 days to tithe faithfully. And then just put God to the test, something that he said we could do in this area, right? Malachi 3 says that we can test God in this area. We can bring that, that tithe and see if he doesn't bless us. So you guys have taken that to the step to say, we're willing to put 
our faith behind that to know that God, when he said he would do this, that when you as a member step in to this faith journey and say, okay, I'm going to trust God for the next 90 days, that you're going to see a positive result. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to see a tenfold return. There's no guarantee to this. We talked about that. But you're saying that you're going to see God show up in your life. He chooses how he's going to do that. He might bless you with more resources. He might bless you in other ways, but he will show up. He said, test me in this and see if I won't do this. And there's some very practical things. If you read through Malachi 3, it says that, that he will open the, the windows of heaven and pour a blessing on you more than you can contain or you know, basically in abundance. But also he'll say that he'll rebuke the devourer. So there's, a, there's an understanding in that text that says that he will also protect you in ways, whether it's protecting your finances, protecting you know your the things that you have. So when you're stepping into this, God will show up in different ways. Now you guys actually say, if this doesn't work out, we'll return your money. So talk about why do you do that, how you communicate it, and what does that sound like? Yeah, we'll say, you know, look, if you feel that God isn't moving in your heart and in your life, you know, we we will give you your money back. If you ask for your money back at the end of the the 90 days, we will give you your money back. And um, I know that some mature Christians have said to me, um, how is that trusting God? You know, you're you're saying trust God in faith, but then you're offering a safety net. And and I think that that's a valid question um, to be asking. And so my response is, yeah, it sounds a little, maybe even a little cheesy to, to me and, and to you. Um, we've grown up in the church. We we know what tithing is. We know what God wants um, from us for him to be first in our heart, for our faith um, to be rooted in the Lord alone and nothing else. But that new believer, they're skeptical. And we just want to remove the barrier. And some people have come from a church background where um, they were not taught correctly or not taught at all. And so even if they're not a new believer, it's new to them. And look, we just want to remove the barriers that are preventing people from stepping out in faith in this area and leave it up to God to do the rest. Fortunately, there have not been many that have asked for their money back. But what's interesting is with the exception of one individual, no one said, I want my money back because I didn't see God working. They just weren't rooted strongly enough in their faith to withstand some other financial barriers. And they felt badly. And I don't want them to feel badly. It was an opportunity to pray with them, an opportunity to let them know God loves you just as much today as he did yesterday. And to offer them even, you know, financial coaching or benevolence or whatever it is that they're dealing with and still show up as the church for that person and love them. I only had one individual that said the tithe didn't work. My car broke down. And that's how I knew he misinterpreted the teaching. We do not teach that nothing bad is ever going to happen. We do mm. not that because that's just false. God wants us to trust him through those times. And so it gave me an opportunity to kind of explain it a little better to him, let him know God wants us to trust him through rough times. And, and it was an opportunity to pray with him as well. And of course we returned his money and that's fine. We, we just want him to continue to show up 
continue to learn, to continue to be open to God, and maybe even one day start tithing on his own. Um, again, our job is to teach and offer a pathway, and it's uh, God's job to do the work in the heart. Yeah. So I know that it takes time sometimes for people to, I think it's just human nature. You have to hear things sometimes multiple times until it finally registers. And we, that's just a human thing. But um, it's okay if someone takes that step and doesn't see the return for whatever reason. Maybe they misunderstood it or it's just going to take more and more faith. And we don't know that in a person's life. All we can do is consistently teach God's principles so that people can mature. And only God can lead them there, and only they can cooperate or not cooperate with God in that. And so sometimes it's going to take longer. I know when I was on staff at our church, our money back was a year, tied for a year. And if at the end of that year, you don't see a significant difference in your life, spiritually, practically, in every way, then let us know. And uh, so we gave it a little bit more time. I don't know that that matters. Ultimately, though, it may take some time for people. But let me ask this question, Donna. How do you guys help people understand that this is not about LCBC, that it's not the, for the church to have more money? Because that's probably the number one barrier that people have. They think, oh, the church just wants my money. So how do you guys address that? Yeah, one of the things um, that's been a real impactful statement um, when talking about how the 90-day tithe challenge works is um, the pastor will say something like, hey, if you think this is about um, LCBC just wanting to get your money, then tithe to another church. Uh, bring your tithe back to God through another church. Mm. We just want you to put your faith and trust in God and grow in your faith and tithing and bringing back to God and trusting God in the area of your finances is a huge way to demonstrate that God is your provider and God is who your faith and trust is in. So if you think it's about the uh, us getting your money, bring it to another church. We, now we can't guarantee that they will give you their money, your money back. Maybe they will, maybe they already do a 90 day tithe challenge. Uh, maybe they won't, but, um, but yeah, if you think it's about us, bring, bring it somewhere else. That's okay. I love that because it really says what you guys are all about, which is we're not here to get you to give and somehow coerce you into this relationship with, where we can just have like constant givers and you know, increase our budget and all of that. It's really about helping people take that step of faith. And also, I think we don't talk enough about, because we're we're very careful about not communicating a prosperity gospel <clears throat> message. So we kind of downplayed the benefit of tithing. But I, I just want to say, I know the blessing of tithing. I know that it is in our lives, has been in our lives, and not just in financial ways, but in many ways. And I want to see people blessed. And I think not teaching on this, if you're a pastor, if you're a church that, that doesn't regularly encourage people to trust God by putting the first returning, I shouldn't say giving, because we know it's not giving, it's not theirs, as you so uh, well stated, that it's returning this portion uh, back to God, that it it opens up their lives to God's blessing, God's favor. And I think we need to talk more about that. Because when people experience it, they need to, again, go back to say, this is God. This isn't me being wise with money. It's not me being lucky. I tithe. I trusted God when it was difficult. And now I see the results of that. And I tell you, people who really understand tithing, you'll never talk them out of it. It's the conviction. They, they've seen both the, the benefits of it, but also the spiritual 
benefit that comes from it, which is the first and foremost, but also the practical one. And I'll tell you, I've never met someone who really understand tithing, who will ever say, well, you know, I'll do it sometimes, but not sometimes. Yeah, you just don't talk them out of it. They'll find a way to tithe. You cannot talk me out of tithing. Um, if our pastor came to me today and said, Donna, we got a $500 million donation. We're good for the next 10 years. You can stop tithing. Well, first of all, he wouldn't say that um, because he knows that that's not what the tithe is about. But um, it would be a hard, fast no for me. I would ne never stop tithing. It belongs to my Savior. It belongs to God. And that for me personally, Leo, I'll just share this. Like when you really peel back all the layers as to why we should tithe, what it really comes down to, to me is I know what God rescued me from. Mm -hmm. I know um, how he has carried me through horrendous times in my life and devastating times in my life. Right. I tithe in response to the cross, mm. in response to the one who loves me the most. And bringing back to God what belongs to God is literally, it's going to sound funny, my favorite withdrawal out of my account. Mm. Back in the day when, when we were only writing checks, like way back when, um, my favorite check to write was the tithe. It was the only one I was excited about because I just understood God loves me more than anything on this planet. And I want to bring back to him what belongs to him. And I want my trust and my faith to be rooted and anchored in that unshakable pillar, Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, the tithe is about our relationship with God and, and God alone. And when we really get to the motive of he is the one that has my best interest in mind, why would I not trust the one who sacrificed his first and his best for me? Yeah. God didn't give me last and leftover. He's right. never given me last and le leftover. So that's the type of thing we, we want to share, share stories and, and teach people so that they can understand properly. Um, this isn't about funding a mission. Yeah. No. It's an act of worship. I mean, it at is. the end of the day, that's to me, tithing is worship. It's, it's acknowledging who God is, what he's done. And, you know, when you think about the model prayer that Jesus gave us, it starts with our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So what does that mean? Well, it's about acknowledging, okay, you're talking to God, the creator of all things, and you honor and, and give him the glory he deserves. And then you ask for all the things that you need or want or whatever, all your needs are, uh, you know, you make your request known to God. You wouldn't come with a request without and acknowledge who you're talking to. And I think that's that's the thing about everything in our lives. When we put God first, it's really worshiping God and acknowledging what God has done. And then after that, we can tell him the things that we need to tell him, which he already knows, right? So it is really a, to our benefit. And I think it's it's sad to me when I hear someone or we have a comment on our blogs or something that we talk about tithing and someone will just, in a very ugly way, will we'll make comments or will say things like, you guys are all about the money. Our heart is not about that. I don't trust people. I trust God, whether it's right. running this ministry or or a church I'm part of, 
anytime we trust people, uh, we're doing the wrong thing, you know. And and if our leaders trust themselves or other people, they're doing the wrong thing. So we have to put God first. And this is one of those practical things that we do uh, that I think is probably the the area that's most clearly in scripture shown to us that that we can test God and actually see results. Uh, and again, it's not a prosperity gospel. It's just we know that when we do this, it's the faithfulness that we exercise that is rewarded with God's ever-present and never-failing faithfulness. And and with anyone that's un- making an unfortunate or ugly comment, um, their issue really isn't with um, you, the, the preacher, teacher, their mm-hmm. issue is really with God and God's word because we're, we are yeah. teaching God's word. Yeah, so not our their issue is really with what Jesus had, had to say. And, you know, that, uh, I'm not a fan of, uh, responding, um, you yeah. know, electronically, I'd rather have a telephone, telephone call. Um, but really the best thing to do is, is to pray that God would open that person's heart to see God's word. It's God's word, not my church's word, not CSN's word. It's God's word that we're bringing forward to people. Yeah. If it was our teaching, then, then we can argue about it and and give our opinion, but all we're doing is saying, here's what God's word says. And whether you agree that it's an old Testament or new Testament concept, the idea is transcendent throughout our relationship with God and, and humanity is that God is the creator. We are his creation. He loves us. He's done everything for us. He's even sent his son, as you said so well, that he gave his best. Yeah. He came down to die for us because we would not have had any chance of saving ourselves. So how could we not respond in worship? And there's not one area in our life. You will not find this anywhere in the Bible. There's not one area in our life where God says, yeah, you know, I can be second place. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Or, I, you know, I can be last or, and left over or just make sure I'm on the list somewhere <laughs> that there's no. nothing uh, past, present, future. There's nothing from Genesis to Revelation that could ever support that that mindset. Tithing happened before it was a command. Tithing happened while it was a command and tithing uh happens under grace which is the best reason mm. uh, we get to tithe because of what our savior did in response to the cross not not in response to a command yeah. um, response to love not a law so we've got the yeah. best deal i i agree i agree that's a great way to end it thank you donna so much for your time today uh this is this is, can be a difficult topic for some so i hope that what we shared today will guide them not to the law of tithing, but the grace of tithing, the fact that we have an opportunity to worship God in this way. And listen, he's going to give you the resources. He's never asking you to tithe out of something that you don't get. You get it first from him, and then you get to return a small portion. It's only 10%. It's not even a 90%. So, uh, but it is an act of faith and we understand it. And sometimes people have barriers. So I so appreciate that you covered so many of those areas, especially the barriers, because I think that's the that's the big biggest challenge for people is they they have sometimes very legitimate reasons why they don't tie. Uh, like you said, maybe spiritual abuse, learning about it the wrong way. Sometimes it's just a lack of knowledge. Um, so there's certainly grace in this. It's not something that uh, that God condemns you over is God looking at us as a loving father saying, do this, this was good for you. 
right? right. This is one of those things that he offers us as a, as a way of, of inviting him into our lives and to the degree where he can make all, uh, you know, his presence, his faithfulness, his blessing, his favor, just be with us. Um, without and, it, we're really saying to God, we, we, don't, we don't want you. We, we got this. We're, we're handling it on our own. And, and we do that with our money. That's kind of a funny thing, how we can stop God from working in our lives by simply not honoring with it. And, you know, for, for those that are in process, for those that are on that journey of learning and understanding, it's important to me that the church is a safe place mm. to be in process, to, to be yeah. a, a safe place to be on that journey and to just trust God with the outcome, keep teaching God's word, keep loving that person and praying over them and, you know, let God own the outcome in their heart. Amen. Thank you, Donna. Appreciate you being part of this conversation today. Thank you, Leo. It's one of my favorite topics. Awesome. <laughs> and for you listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. I so appreciate you tuning in and listening. I hope it was beneficial for you. If it was, um, let us know. Yeah, shoot us a quick email or tag us on social media or something saying, hey, I appreciated that content. Uh, and also share it with others. This is one of those topics that there's a lot of information around it. And unfortunately, a lot of wrong information about it. And I hope that this somewhat opened um, this topic to you in a way that maybe it was fresh, maybe it was new, maybe it was in a way that just makes a little bit more sense. Again, we're really just trying to say we're teaching the word of God on this topic, and and I hope that it was a benefit to you and to others. And if you want to know more about us here at CSN, uh, you can contact us through our website. Uh, you can find some more resources there, blogs, other podcasts, and of course, and then we also have webinars and video teachings that I hope would be a benefit to you. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Uh, you could also become a member of CSN if you're a stewardship leader or a church leader. Uh, check out that resource. We're going to have actually a collab in just about a week and a half or so. Uh, actually, it's later this week when this podcast comes out. It'll be later this week. We'll have a collab talking about this very topic. So if you have more questions that you want to uh, explore, if you remember, you can be part of that conversation and really hear from other leaders who are doing this, other leaders that are challenging uh, their members with the tithe and, and helping them to grow in their faith in God. Um, so be part of that if you'd like. Uh, again, you can find out more about that on our website, ChristianStewardshipNetwork.com. Thanks again for being part of this podcast and listening to it. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next time on Stewardship Leader. <laughs>